Really follow the voice that is inside you. Don't look at it as something coming from the outside. <laughs> Don't try to be too strategic um, and express yourself. And I think that's the first step toward being impactful and being satisfied. Welcome to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Sumnicht. Our interview for this episode features Erin Kamler. Amongst many things, she has written and composed an original musical to highlight the struggles of human trafficking in Thailand. This, to me, is so very wonderfully unique. So, of course, I decided to ask her to share her story with you. Erin Kamler is someone who has taught me through her example that there is great power in embracing your whole self. Like many of you, I'm sure, I grew up exploring different extracurricular activities, one being musical theater. And then in college, I, of course, became very interested in international relations, and I knew I wanted to pursue that as my career. I never imagined that these two worlds would collide. In fact, I thought I should keep them distinctly separate because I never understood how the two worlds might have any crossover. Erin proved me wrong when I showed up to her dissertation presentation and she boldly sat behind a piano to orchestrate her show, Land of Smiles. I think that we as young professionals receive messaging that employers want you to be able to do one thing really great. And we get coaching like, in order for your career to take off, we need to buckle down and focus on building one skill that will be very marketable on your resume. But what Aaron's work has shown me is that if you have diverse interests in life, it is not important to keep them separate. And you don't need to silence any part of yourself in order to get ahead. In fact, the combination of your passions could be the most impactful way you can contribute to the world. Kamler, welcome to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So tell us about your work and tell us about where you are in the world right now. Um, those are two very big questions. <laughs> so my, my work is um, multifaceted. Uh, I am currently working as an international development consultant, focusing mostly on gender and conflict in Southeast Asia, and more specifically, uh, gender and conflict in Myanmar, formerly known as Burma. I also work simultaneously as an artist, uh, as a playwright and composer and, and author. So I have some intersecting uh, career you know, interests and, and sort of a career path that's led me to do some really interesting work. 
Um, so specifically, I'm in right now in Bangkok, Thailand. Um, I work in Yangon, Myanmar for most of the time, uh, consulting on various projects with various organizations, focusing on, as I said, gender, sort of women's issues, and specifically, mostly specifically women in conflict. So there's, as you may know, um, a number of civil wars that have been going on in Burma for the past six decades. <laughs> uh, and some of these wars are starting to be um, resolved through nationwide ceasefire agreements and various ceasefire uh, initiatives. But many of them are still active conflict sites. And so women in these areas are, of course, impacted by the conflict. So there's a real robust development um, presence in Burma right now around uh, the peace process that is going on to try to mitigate the effects of, of these longstanding ethnic conflicts. And so a lot of the work that I do as a consultant is in that area around peace building and around gender uh, and the issues that women face in conflict. So when you say consulting on various projects for various organizations, mm -hmm. what exactly does consulting mean? That's also a very good question. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people who work as consultants who don't, you know, necessarily um, have it as a, as a sort of one definition. Um, one of the great things about consulting is you can kind of tailor your interests to um, the needs of an organization and, and sort of find work, you know, in, essentially as a freelancer, um, that's most interesting to you. So as I said, you know, the projects and the organizations that are of most interest to me have to do with conflict and gender issues. Uh, so I've done a range of different work out here from being a straight, you know, researcher and, and writer, uh, I've published, you know, papers and reports dealing with women uh, and trafficking, specifically indigenous women or ethnic minority women and trafficking, um, to sort of organizational program management. Uh, most recently, I worked for uh, an INGO called Mercy Corps, really, really great organization that does work internationally, um, looking at conflict, food security, um, and other issues in very hardship, sort of difficult locations. So hardship countries, you know, they call them um, places like Syria, places like like Myanmar, Burma. Um, and so I, I ran a program that was focusing on civilian ceasefire monitoring. So looking at the work of citizens or civilians um, in Burma's ethnic areas and the ways that they contribute to the peace process by monitoring the ceasefire agreements that are in place in the ethnic areas of Burma. So that was a big project uh, that I, you know, was sort of took the lead on for about seven months. And then there's other sorts of things that consultants do. So sometimes consultants focus on communications activities, right? Helping an organization sort of build their brand. Um, but again, my areas of interest are specifically uh, tailored to gender conflict and uh, my work as a researcher and a writer. So tell us about your PhD. Well, I recently completed my PhD at the Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism at USC, which is where I met you, Kelsey. <laughs> um, uh, and I, I did the, the PhD program 
following on the heels of the Masters in Public Diplomacy program, which was a really incredible opportunity. And in the PhD program, I, I basically wanted to advance the, the interests and the research that I had started doing in that master's program. So in the Masters of Public Diplomacy program, I started looking at the trafficking and migration of women in Southeast Asia and the relationship between the, the policies of the US government and Thailand's policies around trafficking. And I found that sort of area of, you know, study really interesting. So I wanted to advance my work in that area. And then I also wanted to bring in my artistic work. Um, as I mentioned before, I've worked as an artist uh, for a number of years now. I've had a long career as a musician and also a playwright and composer. And so I wanted to bring together my academic work and my interests in Southeast Asia and in women's issues in Southeast Asia with my work as an artist. So what I did was focused a study, a very rigorous study on the trafficking and migration of women in Thailand or specifically from Burma into Thailand. And then I wrote a piece about the findings of my research. So I wrote a musical called Land of Smiles that was produced both in Chiang Mai, Thailand for the people who I had interviewed originally in the research. And then that musical went on to be produced in Edinburgh and in Los Angeles. Never once looked back at home, but this place defies all logic. It's like nothing I've ever known. Everybody's telling me, make her talk, don't let her balk, be a good girl, cooperate. Everybody thinks it's so clear here in Thailand. Isn't it grand the way we're in? Of course, you know, whenever you do a PhD, you also have to write a dissertation. So I did that as well. Uh, and the dissertation focuses or focused on using the arts as a form of political communication to create a dialogue or a platform for dialogue about human rights issues and how art can serve as a method of advancing the conversation about a very difficult subject. Very powerful. And I personally have seen Land of Smiles. I am a huge fan. I highly recommend it if um, anyone out there is interested to go check it out. Erin, where can we learn more about your work and keep up with it and understand if Land of Smiles is coming to a city near us? Well, Land of Smiles, we have a website. Um, it's www.landofsmilesmusical.com. And I also have a personal website, which is www.aaronkamler.net. So those are the sites that you can check out to learn more about the project and learn more about uh, my work in this area. And the, the project is expanding um, as I continue my work in this area. So yes, please do visit the sites. I think one thing I'm curious about is if you had demand, like let's say from a certain university or if students that are out there listening kind of banded together and wanted to bring Land of Smiles to their city, is that something possible? Yeah, to answer your question, it's very possible uh, to travel with the show. One of the ways that musicals can be shown and produced is through something called a staged reading, which is basically a bare bone performance of the musical without the sets and without the lights and without the costumes. Um, we've done Land of Smiles in this format several times at different venues. 
different colleges and, and, and other venues um, in the States. Basically, the show consists of six women playing various different characters. And a staged reading, what you have is you, you have those actors basically sitting in folding chairs um, and standing at microphones and singing and saying their lines and basically performing the show uh, without having to have a set and costumes and all these other production elements, which cost a lot of money. So there are ways of bringing the show to a college campus or another kind of venue um, and really highlighting the, the material and having a very entertaining uh, performance in a way that's not as costly as doing a full production. So given now that we have a general overview of your work and your career as it is in progress, can you share with us a little bit of your personal story? How did you know that you wanted to contribute to the dialogue around women in conflict and various human rights cases? Well, I think it actually was a very organic um, experience for me and in, in a, a long path. You know, I, I actually went back to school to study these issues a little bit later um, in my career after having worked as an artist for many years. Um, but I'll circle back to an, uh, an event that really formed my thinking and informed my thinking about these issues. And that was when I was an exchange student when I was 16 um, here in Bangkok, actually. I did a study abroad program called AFS and went to live with a family in Thailand. And during that experience, it, it really transformed me in a lot of ways and formulated uh, my interest in this whole area. Because getting to go away, you know, leaving the U.S., and I grew up in Michigan in a really sort of nice, uh, comfortable hometown, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Coming all the way to Thailand really opened my eyes to uh, the experiences of people in the developing world, and particularly the experiences of women. And it was such a, a shock, but also a really moving experience living here as a teenager that I think stayed with me throughout, um, throughout my early adult life and even throughout those years that I was working as a musician. Um, so at a certain point, I really did want to kind of dig back into my interests in Thailand and Southeast Asia and my interest, my sort of lifelong interest in women's issues. Um, and that's what prompted me to shift course and pursue first education around around these issues and then a, a career in this in this part of the world. It's so fascinating how impactful that study abroad year can be, you know. Absolutely. And I would really encourage, you know, people, especially young women who even have the remotest, you know, fascination or interest in doing that kind of study abroad work uh, to really pursue it, really find a way to do it. Um, there's just nothing like it. And I, you know, as you and I know, Kelsey, you know, Americans don't travel abroad um, nearly as much as many people from many other countries. And it's a great way to open your eyes to the world. Exactly. And even explore the different ways in which you want to be involved in impacting the world or the ways that you want to shape your career in order to affect, you know, different regions or different issues in the world. Absolutely. Erin, one of the main things that inspired me to have you on the Women in Diplomacy podcast is the way that you use your art form to communicate about global issues. 
Do you have any advice for young women out there who might have a similar passion and a similar talent but are confused as to how to put it to work to make a difference in the world? Well, I think speaking as an artist, right, first and foremost, um, the most important thing is always to follow your voice and follow where that voice leads you, whatever, whatever art form, you know, speaks to you or whatever your expertise is, whether your talents are, whether it's as a musician or as, as a writer, as a playwright, as a composer, as a visual artist, whatever it is, really follow the voice that is inside you. Don't look at it as something coming from the outside. Don't try to be too strategic um, and express yourself. And I think that's the first step toward any being impactful and being satisfied, you know, as an artist. Um, there are a lot of ways to then practically, you know, do things in the world using your art um, in, as a practical, you know, method of creating change. Obviously, arts education is one of those things. I, you know, early on in my career, I had a, a record label called Mantra Girl, and I sang and performed mantras and taught yoga to audiences all over the world and in very different sort of very diverse locations and different kinds of audiences. Um, so traveling or finding a way to travel as an artist and really share your work can also be very impactful. Um, and, you know, you can also do that from home just through using the Internet and getting your voice out there. You don't have to, uh, you know, get on planes um, in order to share your work with the world. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. But again, as an artist and speaking from having had a long career as an artist, the most important thing is to find your voice and really, really stick to the the, the message and the, the medium and the the power of that voice what, that is inside you. Let's dig into the topic of getting a PhD. And if I may disclose, I think one of my fears right now is that master's programs and PhD programs are being highly marketed as um, a fix for your career or the way to achieve that next level in your career. I think many times we see PhD as kind of the highest qualification to achieve. Mm -hmm. And knowing a lot of young women, um, myself included, if we are perfectionists, oftentimes we will just go for that path because we do want to become as highly qualified as possible. However, from what I understand, a PhD is very difficult um, <laughs> and a very long-term commitment. So what yeah. advice, I mean, would you agree or disagree with this statement? And also, what advice do you have for any young women out there that are considering a PhD program? Well, it's a really important question for anybody considering a PhD. I mean, it, it is a huge time commitment and it's a commitment not just of time, but it's kind of of your soul. I mean, you have to be, in my view, you have to be so almost obsessed, you know, with the topic of your study. You have to be in love with that topic in order to make it worthwhile. Um, I feel lucky that I, you know, had done a lot of things before I went back to school. Um, so just practically speaking, I feel, you know, I, I felt more, I think, coming into my PhD program, I felt like I had accomplishments under my belt in the world, in the quote unquote real world, um, that helped make it more of a passion project than a quest for 
you know, a title or a, you know, an achievement that would somehow further my career. That really wasn't the focus for me. The focus for me was on the work and on my passion about the subject matter and bringing it together with, you know, my art, my artistic work, which I'd already, I'd known since I was a very young person was, you know, the, the focus for me of my life. So I guess I would encourage young women who are considering a PhD program to don't just do it for the for the degree, you know, don't just do it because you want to be called doctor. Um, a lot of times people won't call you doctor, <laughs> even if you want them to. So, you know, don't do it to try to impress other people and, and don't do it just to have something on your resume um, that is going to show that you're somehow, you know, the highest achiever uh, among your peers. I would really suggest if you want to pursue a PhD that it's because you're passionate about the research that you want to do. Again, this is a huge commitment, not only of time, but of your, like I said before, of your soul, you know, of your life. Um, make your career your own, you know, be creative about the way you you see the possibilities ahead of you. Uh, nobody else can define that for you. And certainly a title, an academic title um, won't necessarily be the key uh, to having a successful career. That's all that's up to you and, and the creativity and innovation and excitement that you bring to your work. Have you found it difficult upon completing your PhD to then translate that into work or, or was it a natural tr transition to go into consulting? Well, I think, again, I had the advantage of having already worked in the world in sort of in the practical, quote unquote, real world, which a lot of people going into academia very young, I think, don't, you know, bring that to their to their work. Um, so I do think it's advantageous to have some practical experience. And then, you know, if you do decide to pursue a PhD, translate that work that rigorous academic work back into a sort of more palatable real life um you know career experience um yeah it's it's an interesting path uh i am enjoying it and i i one of the things that i find to be just so wonderful about having done the phd is it really gave me the tools that I needed as a researcher in this world, in this international development world, um, doing rigorous research that's methodolo methodologically sound um, is not something that you know everybody knows about, and it's really important. It's an important part of contributing to the knowledge of what's going on in the world. So, for that reason, I, re I feel really fortunate, and I am enjoying bringing the the tools that I developed in in the PhD program back into the real world. <laughs> And the reason I asked that question too is because I think there is a little bit of a fear as well. Like one thing that we hear is if you go get a PhD, the only career option for you is professor. And I think it's inspiring that you have done actually many diverse things with your PhD. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of people do become professors and it's a wonderful career path, of course. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of ways to use knowledge and, and apply it to the world and solve problems in the world. So I, I think, again, allowing yourself to think creatively and out of the box and, and pursue the work that you want to pursue, um, you know, avenues can open up in unexpected places. So speaking of unexpected places, <laughs> Can you share any advice you have about 
working and living abroad, especially in some of those hardship places like you mentioned. I can only imagine that where you are currently in Southeast Asia often presents some perhaps difficult circumstances. Yeah, it's uh, to say the least, <laughs> um, especially Myanmar, also known as Burma. Um, it's not an easy place to live. And it's you do have to be very flexible. Um, you have to have a strong stomach. Um, and yeah, kind of go with the flow. And again, I think it requires a certain kind of gene of passion. <laughs> you know, you have to be you have to be really passionate about the about the region or the work, uh, the type of work that you're doing to pursue some of this some of this kind of more hardship uh, oriented work. Um, but it's fascinating, and the great thing about being here in Southeast Asia is that there's an enormous amount to learn. There's never a dull moment, um, whether it's language, whether it's learning you know new insights into different cultures, um, learning about the politics. I mean, I. I find myself having to read voraciously, you know, every day to keep up with all the changes that are happening in Burma, both politically and socially. So it's it's a fascinating and thrilling um, context to be working in. That said, it does require a lot of flexibility. Um, you know, it requires an, a curiosity, um, if not an obsession, with understanding the politics and the social environment that you're in. For all of those current students out there that may be looking for a thesis topic, do you have any recommendations? What sort of topics do you think need more research and need more work? One topic that I feel like just constantly needs more attention is the way that the U.S. relates to the international world. And then in turn, the way that, you know, international uh, actors relate to the U.S. And I think this is coming up right now a, a lot because of the, the election that's going on in the United States. Um, I hear commentary about this from everyone I meet, whether it's a taxi driver in Burma, you know, to an expat um, you know, circle in Chiang Mai, Thailand, everybody's talking about the election and, and how it's going to impact the rest of the world and America's relationship with the rest of the world. So I think there, there cannot be enough research on this topic. It's so important. A another really important topic is looking at women's experiences in the developing world. And I think this is an area of international relations that is very underfunded, understudied, and, and not written about very widely, um, but it's very important. So yeah, for, for students of IR specifically who are looking for something um, kind of cutting edge, unique, and important to, to study, uh, look at women's experiences, and, and particularly the experiences of women at the grassroots level, if you can. This is an area that needs more attention and more publication. Gable, don't think I'm gonna save the world.